Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today in the scriptures, we hear about shepherds. In the first reading from Jeremiah, we hear how poor shepherds have governed the Israelites for many, many years. And in doing so, the Israelite nation as a people has declined. Well, it's because the people of Israel had elected these shepherds. These shepherds are actually the kings of Israel. Well, it's important for us to really understand the history of the kings of Israel and how they came about. And we can take a lot out of it from our own spiritual life. It's applicable. Now, before kings came about in the country of Israel, the country was basically a loose confederate of tribes, 12 tribes. Now, these tribes operated independently of each other, and they were governed by judges, one judge per tribe. In many ways, they were similar like our states. You know, our states operate independent of each other. Wisconsin operates independent of Minnesota, Illinois, and Michigan. But at the same time, each state is governed by one governor. That's our leader. And so, in so many ways, our states represent, or you could say make up, or similar to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, they operated independently, but when they were threatened, or times in which it called upon the 12 tribes to unite, they did just that. They banded together for their own good, and they either fought wars or did something so that all would benefit from it. Now, after a while, the tw- people of the 12 tribes of Israel, they began to look out. They began to look out at the other nations, and they saw how these other nations were more powerful economically, politically, even when it comes to recognition and who they were. Now, the Israelites envied this. They wanted to be just like these other nations. They wanted that power and prestige. Now, what they saw in these nations is the reason why they were powerful is because they were united. They weren't some loose confederate of individual states operating on their own like they were. No, they were united as one country. Most importantly, they were united under one leader, a king. And so they envied this. They wanted to be just like this, just like all those other nations, maybe even more powerful. So they go to the prophet Samuel, who was the prophet at that time. Now remember, prophets were the intermediaries between God's people and Yahweh, the Lord. And so they say to Samuel, you know, we want to be like those other nations. We want a king. So go tell God we want a king. So Samuel does just that. So he goes to God in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 4, and he says to God, the people, your chosen people want a king. And God says, well, I'm their king and they are my people. And so Samuel goes back to the people with that message. 
But that's not good enough for the Israelites. Again, they keep looking out at all these other nations. Their envy grows. And so they keep badgering Samuel. Tell the Lord we want a king. Tell him we want a king. And so repeatedly, Samuel goes back to God and he gives him this message. And God says to Samuel, they don't know what they're asking for. They have no idea how a king is going to change their lives forever and change it for the worse, not for the better. And yet the people, they don't agree. They keep persisting and persisting. We want a king. Finally, there's that classic scene in which God says to Samuel, fine, I'll give him a king. And so they receive a king. Now, God knows exactly what's going to happen. These kings are going to be corrupt and they're going to lead the entire nation into corruption. I'll give you some examples. The first king that the Israelites choose is Saul. Now, for all intents and purposes, Saul is the perfect king on paper. He's young, he's strong, he's intelligent, he's articulate. He's a military general and a war hero. And so he's perfect. He would be the perfect leader. And yet, he's incredibly paranoid. He's a flawed individual. More so, he's incredibly paranoid of young David, his friend. To the extent that he lets his paranoia control him, such that he sets out these assassination attempts upon David and fails repeatedly. Finally, Saul is killed in battle. David succeeds him. Now, we know David is a successful king early on, and the Israelite people as a nation enjoy, you could see, their golden years. They become the economic and the military superpower that they always desired. Good, very good. And yet David also is flawed. He meets Beersheba, has an adulterous affair with her, and then compounds the situation by killing her husband. Then David dies. Well, his son is the next king, Solomon. Again, for all intents and purposes, Solomon appears to be a perfect king. Appears to be. He's given the wisdom of God and he starts out well. And yet he marries Jezebel, a priestess of the pagan god Baal. Jezebel converts Solomon to worshiping Baal and then Solomon converts the entire nation of Israel to worshiping this pagan god. Consequently, the entire nation of Israel falls into idolatry. And see, this is exactly what God saw. And the people didn't understand. These kings were poor kings, primarily because the people wanted them, chose them. Now, let's step back a bit. There's some lessons we can learn from this. First and foremost, the Israelites, when they looked out at the other nations, and they envied them and said to the prophet Samuel, we want to be like them. Well, that was their first mistake. In doing so, they refused their identity. Their identity was the chosen people of God, God's holy people. They were to be the nation that was going to draw all other nations around the world back to God. That was their identity. And yet they were refusing that. They wanted to be like other nations. You know, so many times, you know, in our culture, there are forces that push on us, you could say. You know, they tell us what to say to be politically correct. They tell us how to behave, what we should value, what we should believe in. And see, 
if we really fall or become susceptible to these things, if we really behave or believe or speak in ways in which other people tell us, then we're not being the people that God created us to be. We're being people that our society or our culture tells us who we should be. And therefore, we'll never have any peace. No. Instead, what we have to recognize is we have to be the person that God created us to be. You know, so often I give you that quote from St. Irenaeus, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, when are we fully alive? When we are being the person that God created us to be. When our will is aligned to the will of God, that's when we glory God. See, that's when we have that inner peace within inside of us. And we all know what that feels like. Now you say to yourself, well, what does that mean to be the person that God created us to be? Well, through prayer, through the Eucharist, through contemplation, through the advice of family and friends, you know, you become the person that God created you to be. Mother, father, grandpa, grandma, lawyer, doctor, plumber, construction worker, whatever it is, we all find that position in life where we find our inner peace. But most importantly, it is being a faithful person, living out our faith to the best of our abilities every day our life. See, that's the person that God created or intended us to be. Praying every day, coming to the Eucharist every weekend, you know, doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, engaging in stewardship. See, that is then the person that God created or intended us to be. And so whatever profession we're in, if we live out our faith to the best of our abilities, then we're giving glory to God. And so God sends then shepherds, shepherds to help guide us back to him. And that's what Jeremiah is prophesizing. A shepherd will come back one day to guide us. And that shepherd is Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful segue into the gospel. The gospel for this weekend picks up exactly where we left off last weekend. Last weekend, Jesus sends the apostles out to evangelize. Basically, Jesus is sending out shepherds. The apostles are acting as shepherds, gathering the lost people back to God. Now, they come back and they're excited. And so is Jesus. They're excited to tell Jesus of all their successful stories. And Jesus is excited to listen to them. That's why he wants to go to a deserted place to be alone with them, to listen to them. You know, we do the same thing ourselves. Whether we get a reward or a promotion at work or we do something special, immediately we want to go back home and tell our family and friends. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. Now, a second thing that we can take from this story or from these scripture readings is God sends shepherds into our lives, good shepherds, shepherds that help guide us, protect us, nurture us, so that we have every opportunity to succeed in this world, not just in this world, but in the spiritual life. Now, those shepherds come in many different forms. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, maybe a mentor at work that took us under their wing for maybe a few months or just a few years and taught us, you know, the ins and outs of the business life or our trade. Told us, you know, how to take care of clients or, you know, how this is how you should sell things, this and that for us to be successful. 
I believe that God sends those shepherds into our life so that we have every opportunity to succeed in life, but most importantly, to grow in the spiritual life. And that's what they do. Those shepherds, whatever form they come into, mom, dad, whether it's advocates or mentors, they nurture environment for us to grow, an environment for us to grow and receive love. But most importantly, they nurture an environment in which we, we grow into the image and likeness of God. We become the person that God created and intended to us to be. And see, we are the people we are today because of those shepherds that God has sent into our life. And so the scriptures remind us of just that. These good shepherds, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, whether they're advocates or mentors at work, they are truly a gift from God. They help us to become the person that God created or meant for us to be. And that's why we should rejoice in that. Today is a day in which we should thank God for all those special shepherds that have come into our life and have helped us become the persons that we are today. And so the scriptures are really valuable for us this weekend. They teach us. They teach us first and foremost. We can't deny ourselves. We can't be the person that our culture or society tells us should be. If we do that, then we'll fail just like the Israelites. Instead, we must listen to, embrace those shepherds, the good shepherds that God sends into our lives. Those people that love us, nurture us, develop an environment for us to succeed, for us to be the people we are today, a people that essentially gives glory to God by being the person that God created us to be. And for that, we are truly gifted, thankful, and proud. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.